So we're, we're going to take a, a quick pause for, uh, for this week and then obviously our Christmas Eve service on our, on our Corinthians uh, sermon series. And whenever I get around this time of year as a pastor, you know, you start reading through the, the stories, all of the gospels of the story of, of Jesus and how he came and was born, lived, and I mean, all, all of those things in the beginning of all of the gospels. And um, I was reading through the Christmas accounts in the Bible this week, and I was struck by one thing that was consistent for almost everybody in the original Christmas, the first Christmas, the OG, um, that the, the angel had to tell each person the same thing, which is this, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. He said to Zechariah, do not be afraid. Mary, do not be afraid. Joseph, do not be afraid. The shepherds, do not be afraid. Now, you think that everybody would be excited. I mean, maybe a little nervous, overwhelmed, but um, I mean, because it was like good news of great joy and all of that, but like they're all freaking out. Like, that's not the case. Every single person that was involved in the original Christmas. Um, is, is absolutely overwhelmed. And, and some of them, it, the Bible even says that they were terrified because God always calls you um, to something that you can't do on your own. Do you know that? Like in this, that, so it, Christmas is, is a great example of that, that every single person that was involved in the very first Christmas couldn't, couldn't execute Christmas on their own. There was nothing that they could do. They, were, they, they weren't qualified. They didn't have an they didn't have what they needed to be able to make the miracle of Christmas happen on their own. And every single time that God calls us to something, it's always something that, that we can't do on our own. It always requires us to depend on him because he's the only one that can, that can do things that are far beyond what, what, are, what, what we can do in our own power. Um, so for the very first Christmas, it wasn't very merry. It was actually very scary. And the reality is, is that Many times when, when God gives us gifts, um, we find joy in retrospect, not in the moment. And, and if you're in this place right now, and I just this, I, I feel like this, this Christmas message of do not be afraid is for those of us in here that um, are living regular lives. Uh, people that are trying to serve God um, imperfectly and trying to figure this thing out. I think that many times when, when we're serving God and God, God is gifting us or blessing us with things, we, we find joy in, in retrospect, not necessarily in, in the moment that we're in. Like when God is working something out of you or working something in you, it's usually not fun, right? Like, like when you're going through something and God is calling you to something or he's trying to tweak something in you, I don't enjoy that, right? The things that God calls us to are usually hard. Like I've never had God be like, uh, Justin, I want you to eat an entire half gallon of ice cream in one sitting. I'd be like, I got I to gotta obey Jesus, right? I got to do it because he called me to it. And I gotta, he'll see me through it, right? But like more, more times than not, the things that God calls you to, you don't enjoy. Like it's hard. It actually requires something of you. It's scary. Some of you are terrified. Like even just following him when he's like, come follow me, surrender your life to me. It's like, ah, what are you going to do with it? I mean, we all struggle with that. And the people that were involved in the very first Christmas were in the exact same place, that God's promises are amazing, but, but let's just face it, sometimes in the in-between in of the waiting and the wondering and the doubting and the freaking out, it doesn't always seem that amazing. 
and most times it's simply scary. And so I was thinking about fear because I think that, especially over the past couple years of coming out of COVID and sickness and fear of sickness and all of that has been um, huge. In fact, uh, a lot of what all of the shutdowns and things like that that we're seeing in, in young children especially is social anxieties and even with adults, the, the fear of just large crowds and fear of just interpersonal relationships. There's all kinds of fears that have sprung up that were maybe there before but have been increased um, through some of our life circumstances. And I was thinking like sometimes fears aren't that bad. Sometimes fears protect you, like the fear of falling it protects you from doing stupid, right? That's good. The fear of, of drowning protects you from going and swimming beyond your capacity. The fear of spired, spiders protects you from living a normal life, um, <laughs> at least for my wife, it seems, to protect her from just being normal in life when you see a spider. Um, like, we all have fears, and they come from our imaginations for the most part. Um, in fact, one of the things that sets us apart as humans is the ability to imagine. Um, my dog doesn't imagine much. Um, I mean, he, he likes to think that he's going to get a treat every time I look at him, but like the ability to, to have an imagination, creativity, to write, to dream, to look beyond our current circumstances, like that, I want you to understand, like that is a God-given gift. Your imagination and creativity is a God-given gift. And when God isn't in it, it can look a whole lot like fear. You start to imagine things. It's so easy for me to like go worst case scenario. Like when, I'm, when my wife's 15 minutes late coming home and she's not answering her phone, I think she's lying in a ditch somewhere. Like that's what's happened. I know that's the only, that's the only explanation. When you, um, maybe if you've got that, rational fear of spiders, you just know that if you don't torch your entire house that night, that that spider in the corner of your bedroom will annihilate you and your entire family as you sleep. Like that's, but this is the worst case scenario stuff that we go to and fear just starts to cause our imaginations to run wild. But when our imaginations are submitted to God, they can produce faith. Like we can imagine what God could do in this situation that we're facing right now. And it helps us to actually pray the prayer of faith. When you're staring at a diagnosis and you're staring at a decision and you're staring at a broken marriage and you're staring at a relationship and you're staring at your finances and you're like, this is hopeless. I look at this and from just, if I'm gonna allow fear to rule the day, there is no way out of this. It's always gonna be the same and this is going to be my story, but God. But when you allow God into your imagination, it, it, it all of a sudden is not just fear, it turns into faith because you're now dreaming a God-sized dream and putting God into your imagination to realize that like God can do more than you can do on your own because without him, well, yeah, that may be actually the end of the story. But with him, it's so much more than that. And so the same thing that empowers you to have fear empowers you to have faith. See, a lot of times people and like preachers and people, they talk about like, well, like faith and fear are opposites. I would argue that, that fear is just faith without God in it. It's just faith without God in it. Like once you realize that you're not alone, 
that like the problems that you're facing aren't in a vacuum, that you have brothers and sisters in Christ and a, and a God who loves you and names you and numbers every hair on your head and knows the days that he has appointed for you to live, all of a sudden you are free. <laughs> you're free because dad has you. Like you're free because you know that you have a God that's bigger than your problems. And this is the beauty of, of Christmas. This is the beauty of the people that were involved in the very first Christmas. And the most unnoticed message of Christmas is do not be afraid at least for the people that were involved in it. I mean, we look back now and we're just like, oh, you know, I just kind of like, I, I, I like to have the nostalgia and listen to Christmas music and eat Chex Mix and do all of those things. But the people that were involved in the very first Christmas, they were freaking out and they needed God to actually speak to them personally to say, do not be afraid. Because sometimes, sometimes God's gifts come in really crappy packages. Like, I don't know if you've had like um, anyone with like mostly guys would rap. This would be a guy job, right? Like there's no doubt. Like a girl did not rap this. Like this is done specifically by a man. Uh, we know how to rap things. And if you're like, well, it's not pretty. It's, I got a bow. It's, it's not. It's a knot. But like it's kind of a bow. It can hold on to it a little bit easier. The reality is, is that a lot of times God's gifts come in, in, in crappy rapping sketchy wrapping paper. And we asked this question, we're like, what good could come out of this scenario? Like, have you ever judged, uh, like, if you're doing like one of those gift exchanges and you see this under the tree? I'll tell you what, nobody's going for that one. And you know what? The, 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 the real crappy gift one is probably in the really nice with the bow and it's all beautiful and it's like nothing you want. This sucker, you know it's going to be like a knife or something cool, right? But, like, but how many times do you judge a gift by the wrapping paper and you think, what good could come out of this scenario? What good could come out of this job loss? What good could come out of this breakup? What good could come out of this stressful situation? What good could come out of this wrappy? crappy wrapping paper, right? Because what I find is that God's greatest gifts are oftentimes wrapped in problems and anxiety and sometimes our first responses are loss of control and fear. And I think that if we're going to take our cues from the people that are involved in the very first Christmas is that our first response to things isn't necessarily the best response to things. They were terrified. They were freaking out. Because like sometimes God will give you a gift and you not really feel very gifted at all. Crappy wrapping paper. And we can sit around in our 21st century in retrospect looking at Christmas and eating our Chex Mix and peanut brittle and listening to Christmas music like, Mary, did you know that you're a baby boy? No, the answer is this. No, she didn't know. <laughs> We're going to read about it today. She was freaking out. She had no, Mary, did you? No, she didn't know. All of a sudden, like, an angel shows up and tells her, hey, you're going to have a baby. And she's like, but I haven't not even married. Like, I, I know, but it's going to happen. She's like, okay, may your will be done to me. Like, I mean, she's freaking out in the middle of this. She had no idea how God was going to do what he did, much like when God speaks to you a promise. You're like, I got no idea how in the world you're going to take this and make it into something great. 
Because Christmas always looks so much better in retrospect than it does in the moment. Because in the moment, it looks, well, it looks a whole lot like you trying to follow God the best you can, not knowing how in the world he's going to make it happen. Because oftentimes when God gives you a gift, it will worry you before it blesses you. And in fact, everything that God has ever asked me to do in my life, in ministry, has freaked me out. I've been scared. And it should freak you out. You're like, really? Yeah. Because when God calls you to something, he's actually not calling you to do something that you can do on your own. If God doesn't need you to call you to do things that you can do on your own. You should just do it on your own. Like when God calls you to something, he's actually asking you to partner with him, to agree with him, to come into alignment with him, to have faith in him that that together he's going to be able to accomplish something in you and through you that you could never do on your own. And that should scare you. Like these people were terrified when God shows up and it's like a little flapping angel comes and starts like prophesying into their lives. Like this is terrifying when you realize that like you have to depend on him because apart from him, you can do nothing. And what's interesting in this first Christmas is that there are, there are no superheroes in the story. Every single one of these people are not superheroes. They're just like people like you and like me who chose to respond to the call of God and to do something that they were not qualified for. None of them. And for each of these four people, these fear-filled people were afraid for different reasons. And so I want to talk about each four of them. Um, in your notes today, you've got the, the four of them listed. The first one is Zechariah. And you're like, who's Zechariah? Okay, well, we're going to get into it. Zechariah was the father of John the Baptist. Zechariah was a priest. He was married to a woman named Elizabeth. And uh, they couldn't have children. They'd been praying for a long time. Like some of you, maybe you've been, you've been waiting and hoping and praying that like God would give you a child and it just isn't happening. So they couldn't conceive a child. And he was a, he was a priest. He was serving at the temple um, in the altar of incense. And we're going to pick up his story in Luke chapter one, verse 11. It says this, then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, which I want you to just pause you there for a second, because I I think sometimes we've watched Touch by an Angel too much on Hallmark Channel. I'm just going to tell you, because what, what we watch on Hallmark Channel is not what they saw. How do I know that? Because their, their response was not like, oh my gosh, you're like a really pretty lady and you want to help me because I just my car's off the side of the road. No, this is like terrifying experience for these people. I just want you to see this. Their first response is not like, oh my gosh, you must be an angel. They're like, oh! They just, they're, I'm, and they're screaming and fear and all kinds of stuff. It says, uh, the Lord, uh, angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right side of the altar of incense, like out of nowhere. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid. There it is. There's the first one. Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. So the angel shows up, freaks out. Zechariah is gripped by fear, and the angel says, do not be afraid. Your prayer has been heard. Now, if you've been praying for something for a long time, you can relate to Zechariah. Because how many of you know that God hearing your prayers and God answering your prayers are sometimes very different things? 
You've been praying and praying and hoping and wishing and praying and praying and having other people pray for you. And you get to the place where you're just like, I, I, I don't know. I've been waiting. I've been hoping. But it has been years. And the doctor said it can't happen. And I don't know how in the world God is going to do something that seems physically impossible to, ha- to have happened here. And all of a sudden, an angel with flapping wings shows up. He's gripped with fear and says, yeah, the thing that you've been praying for, God has not only heard you, but he's going to make it happen all these years later, and you're to call him John. And he had lost hope. Zechariah had been praying and hoping for so many years that he had just pretty much given given up hope. And you're like, well, how do I know that? Well, look in Luke chapter 1, verse 18. Zechariah speaks to the angel and he says, do you expect me to believe this? I love how he just talks back to an angel he obviously got comfortable. He says, do you, you expect me to believe this? I'm an old man, and my wife is an old woman. Don't call your wife that, by the way. It's, it just doesn't, I, believe me, it doesn't go well. Uh, and she's, she's, my, she's my old woman, right? Like, <clears throat> I'm an old man. That's cool. You can say that, but like, don't, he says, and she's an old woman. Zachariah had a fear of being disappointed, because how many of you know, maybe you can relate to it. Like you, have you ever been to the place where you've just prayed and prayed and prayed and hoped and prayed and you got to the place where you're like, I don't know if I want to ask anymore. I don't want to know if I want to actually come forward and ask for someone to pray for me. I don't even want to raise my hand for a prayer request. Why? Because I'm, I'm just afraid of being disappointed again because I've done the thing. Or maybe you're in the place where like, I actually have never asked for anyone to pray for me. Why? Because I'm afraid that it won't happen. And then I'm going to be faced with wrestling with my own faith. Is it a sham? Is it real? Is God real? Does he hear my prayers? And if he does hear my prayers, why doesn't he answer them? These are the things that the very first Christmas, Zechariah is wrestling with. And maybe, maybe you, you have a fear of just believing beyond your current reality. This is what was, nothing's ever going to change. It's all going to stay the same because it always has been and it always will be. And so it's not even worth asking for prayer. And many times, our fear of disappointment will outweigh the risk of faith. And so we just stop because we're afraid of being disappointed. And even though a flapping angel from heaven, I'm I'm just guessing there's flapping. I don't know. Maybe there's not flapping, but it looks cool, right? Like, even though a flapping angel from heaven comes in and tells him what is going to happen it still doesn't change his mind, which is interesting to me because a lot of us would say, well, look, 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 look. If an angel from heaven came and told me, then I would believe. And I'd like to say, it might not. It might not. Because sometimes our discouragement and disappointment or the fear of it will outweigh our risk of moving forward in faith. And this is what he's wrestling with. He's literally wrestling with this angel Like, I I just don't see how this can happen. And so Zechariah overcomes his fear in a very strange way. Luke chapter 1, verse 20, it says this. The angel replies, but because you won't believe me, you will be unable to say a word until the day of your son's birth. Every word I've spoken to you will come true on time. God's time. 
Here's my paraphrase. Here's Justin's paraphrase. Since you don't believe my words, just shut up until it happens. Like, just, I don't want you, you're not going to say anything. You don't believe me? Then zip it, right? Because we're like, well, but, 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 what if, but, 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 but what about, some of us need a buttectomy, right? We need to get to the place where, like, we get our butts out of the way so that God can do what he needs to do, right? Because let me just remind you, Zechariah and you that are struggling in the midst of things, it's not about what you can't do, it's about what God can do. And when we sit there and we focus on, well, but, 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 but what about, but, 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 but what if we get to the place where we're literally just speaking fear and God's saying, I actually need you to remind you that I am with you, I am for you, and I've spoken my word over you, that God isn't looking for perfect people. He actually just has a really high priority on unity and agreement with him. And so he's looking for people that, that don't necessarily have these big, people of great faith that are just speaking things into existence. He's actually just saying, here's my word for you. I actually just need you to just shut up and agree with it. <laughs> and sometimes we look at this, we're like, man, Zechariah, they were really rough on Zechariah. That's like a really harsh punishment. The guy couldn't speak for nine months. Like what, what's going on here? Let me remind you, let me remind you of this, that God corrects those that he loves. And there, <laughs> I'm going to just hit you real quick. There have been times in your life where muting you would have been a gift from God to you. <laughs> Come on. There have been times where God just zipping it and just supernaturally zipping your mouth would have been a gift to you and your spouse, but to you, to just say, like, no, I'm choosing because what is going to come out of my mouth is not faith-filled. It will be fear-filled. It will be negative. It is actually a gift from God to mute me for at least nine months until I see that God is who he says that he is, and he will do what he says he will do, and I can trust that he is a God who loves me and sees me and hears me and answers. <laughs> so Gabriel gives Zechariah a gift, which is kind of in some crappy wrapping, like, here's your gift. You can't speak for nine months. Hallelujah. Right? And like, that's his gift. He gives it in crappy wrapping paper. I'm going to shut you up so that you have to rely. Not, you have to rely on your listening rather than your talking, because a lot of us rely on our talking rather than our listening. He's like, you're going to just, you're going to have to just listen. You just got to, you're not going to be able to talk for nine months. So you're going to have a whole lot of listening to do. And this is the gift that Gabriel gives Zechariah. The way that he gets out of it, the way that he literally has to wait on God's timing. That's how he overcomes his fear. The second person that was freaking out, that was scared, was Mary. Luke chapter 1, verse 28. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Catch this, verse 29. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, here it is, do not be afraid, Mary. You found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son. You are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. 
and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. And so the angel says, you, Mary, teenage girl, are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And her response is fear. The Bible says that she is greatly troubled and wondering, are you talking to me? Are you talking to me? Are you talking to me? Because like most of us, Mary feared not being enough. Not being enough. Like, I, I don't think you have the right girl here. Like, um, I, I'm just a teenager, nothing special. Like, no, nothing highly favored here. Like, I, I don't know. I think maybe, were you talking to someone else? He says, no, you have found favor with God. Mary had done nothing yet to earn the favor that she had received, and neither have you. And neither have you. And so if you really want to receive what God wants to give you, you're going to have to get over your fear of not being enough. And so when you hear the accuser of the brethren or sometimes you're not so great friends accusing you saying, you're not enough. Sometimes the best way to get over that is to just simply agree. Because the truth is, you aren't enough. The truth is that you are inadequate. You, you aren't good enough, but God is God enough in, in your life. And I love Mary's faith. In the midst of her fear, she's like, I, I think you got the wrong girl. I don't know why you would choose me. I don't. <laughs> she asks the angel in verse 34, how will this be since I'm a virgin? In other words, I have faith like this is, okay, I'm trusting you on your word, but, but how is God going to pull this one off? Like, this is going to be good. This is going to be nothing short of a miracle because I'm not married. I, I, I don't, I, I'm not worthy. I don't, I'm not enough here. And look what the angel says in Luke chapter 1, verse 37. The angel says, For with God, nothing will be impossible. Nothing will be impossible. Now, that... That's kind of one of those things that like we put on, on mugs. We're like, yes. As soon as you get your coffee in the morning, you're like, yep. See, nothing is impossible. <laughs> I want you to understand something. Like, The angel is not saying nothing is impossible. Like, he's not saying like, you're four foot nine. You could be an NBA all-star. Like, or just put your mind to it. You can accomplish anything. This is not a motivational talk by a flapping angel from heaven. Like, nothing is impossible. Um, in fact, the word nothing is actually a combination of two words in the Greek, and it is the words no and word. So it's not no thing, like nothing. It's no word. Now, pause here for a second. Give me a little Greek study. Um, there are actually three words that are used in Greek to, that are translated as word in, 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 in English. The first one is graphe, which is the written word. So you write it down and that's a, that's a word, you wrote it. The second one you've heard of is probably logos, which is the word of God that has, communicates the, the general will of God in, in his word. And then there's the third one, which is rhema. Rhema 
Rhema's a little different. Rhema is like the freshly spoken word that the Holy Spirit gives to a specific person in a specific situation. That is the, the rhema word. And I want you to understand this because it, is, it, it, it unlocks so much faith. When the angel says, for with God, nothing is impossible, it's that word, rhema. He's the, the freshly spoken word for a specific situation. In other words, no freshly spoken word of God to you is without the ability to perform itself. He says, when no word, no rhema is impossible with God. In other words, you can rest on the reality that when God speaks it, he in and of itself, in his word, has the ability to perform itself. So if you're like, well, I, I know God spoke this or I got a prophetic word and really I, I just, I'm holding on to it, but I just don't know how he's going to do it. That's okay. You actually don't have to know how he's going to do it because when it's a rhema word, God actually has the ability in and of itself to perform itself. And so how does she overcome her fear of not being enough? We read it right here that she overcame her fear by accepting God's rhema word. She just accepted it. Luke 1 verse 38 she says, this is her response, this is her conclusion, this is Mary's conclusion after a flapping angel comes down and tells her that she's going to have a baby and she hasn't even, she's not even married. She says, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. Catch this, may your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. So don't worry that you feel inadequate to perform God's word. God already knows that. He didn't choose you because he's like, oh, you, I'm looking for superheroes and you look like one that can do things that only I can do. God is simply looking for people who will surrender in agreement to his word and just receive it. Okay, I know I'm not enough. I don't think I can handle this but you see something in me that I don't, and so I receive your rhema word for me. He's looking for people who will surrender in agreement to his word. And so in the face of fear and feeling like she was not enough, what, what if you simply said, just like what Mary said, may your word to me be fulfilled. Everything that God intends to do through you is absolutely impossible for you. But the outcome of God's word, his rhema word, is his responsibility. The, the agreement with it is ours. That's the beauty of, what, of, of simply what Mary did. All right, the third person. The third person that had a really scary Christmas was Joseph. He might have had the scariest. Um, <laughs> verse 18, Matthew chapter 1. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary um, his mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. <laughs> right. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. So the third one is this. Joseph had a fear of the approval of people. I don't know if you can relate to that. 
You ever had a, a fear that like, what are people going to think? What are people going to say? What are people going <laughs> to do? His initial reaction was worrying about how people were going to perceive all of this. And you can't really blame him. Like we can look at him and be like, Joseph, why didn't you just trust God, right? Like here's the reality. If you had a fiance and she got pregnant and it wasn't your child and she told you, I swear to God, I didn't cheat on you. I swear to God, I didn't cheat on you, right? You'd be thinking, right, 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 sure, 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 sure. How can I get out of this relationship as soon as possible? Show me the door. I want out. And Matthew chapter one, I love how in verse 20, it talks, it kind of like sums up, explains Joseph's freak out. It says, but after he had considered this, hmm, let me consider this. <laughs> it says, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not, there it is, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. This was an invitation into something that must have seemed like an interruption. Totally. I mean, how many of you know that this was not what Joseph had planned for his life? He wasn't thinking, yes, this is, this is the way I want to start things out. This is how I want to kick off this marriage. This is going to be great. No, it was an inconvenience at best. It was an embarrassment at worst. This is the thing that he was concerned about. It's like, what are people going to think? And what are people going to say? And if we are not careful, we will allow the fear of criticism of others to forfeit the gift that God wants to give us. And especially in our day and age, man, we are so concerned, so worried about what are people going to think? What are people going to say? Are they going to cancel me if I think this or I say that? If I... We're so concerned that we will literally forfeit the grace of, the, of God that he wants to give us because of the fear of the criticism of, of people. Because when we're more concerned about how other people think or what they might see or how they might perceive us, then we won't receive what what God wants to give us. Can I just say this? Who cares how your friends are parenting their kids? What has God called you to? Who cares about how your neighbors are spending their money? What has God called you to? Who cares about what, what, what others might think or say about you? What has God called you to? Because God's invitation oftentimes feels much more like an interruption or an inconvenience in our life. Just know that you are in good company. If God has called you to something and you're just like, man, I just don't know. If I give this, if I, if I walk into this, if I, if I leave this behind and move into this new thing, like what are people going to think? What are people going to do? And I will just tell you, you're in good company with Joseph if you're going through that in your life right now because the temptation when God wants to give us something is to run from it rather than run towards it. And so, and so you, if you're scared of it, it just might be God. If you're like, well, I just, I, I'm concerned. I, I think people might talk. Well, it might be God then. <laughs> so how did Joseph overcome it? How did he overcome his approval of people? Verse 24. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. He did it and took Mary home as his wife. Joseph overcame his fear by obeying God's word. He had to make a choice. 
And his choice was to stop listening to his fear of what others might say and to start walking in obedience to what God says. And, and my fear is that like even as a, uh, as a church today, that the, that the church, the people of God, shrink back from what the Word of God says for fear of what other people might say. Well, you just don't know. If you say that, if you write that, if you put that on social media, you're done, you're canceled, you're over. And so we shrink back from what it is that, that God has spoken for us to do in fear of what others might say. And so the last group, the last group that had a really scary Christmas were the shepherds. The shepherds feared the unexpected. Luke chapter 2, verse 8, and then I'll leave you. It says this, There were shepherds living in the field, field near, fields nearby, excuse me, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, there it is, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. These guys are simply doing what they do. They're minding their own business. They're tending to, to sheep in the, in the middle of the night. And, and all of a sudden, this angel shows up, much like an alien abduction scene, right? Like, it's like, oh, you know, it's coming down. They're like, oh my God, what's going on right now? And they start freaking out, much like every single one of us would do if this happened to us. And one of the things that we noticed about the very first Christmas, especially for these guys, is that God loves to surprise us. There's no like warning, like, Hey, in about five minutes, I'm going to be coming down. I'm going to be sending one of my angels down here just to let you know. All of a sudden, it's like, ah! and they're just like, what in the world? You know, like God just shows up and surprises them. Nobody involved in the very first Christmas. So if you're kind of, listen, if you're on the, on the, on the verge of this, and you're like, you're not a Christian here today. And you're like, I just don't know about this whole Jesus thing. Because is it real? I mean, did he really come down and like, as a baby, as a savior baby, and do all of these things? I just want to remind you, as we look at all of these people that were involved in the very first Christmas, if you're going to call them cast members or people that were involved that were called by God to do this, none of these people were in on it. Like, none of these people were like, man, you know, like, Mary and Joseph weren't, weren't trying to create this whole scenario. But yeah, if we just do enough things, people will think that our baby is the superhero baby. Like, no, they weren't, they, this was not a plan. It's almost like the great, all-powerful creator, the, the divine director of the heavenlies had a plan. A plan that seemed, seemed much more like an interruption to the people that were involved in it. A plan that, that honestly was a surprise to every single person that were called to be a part of it. A plan that made every single person freak out. A plan that no one could execute on their own. This wasn't a plan made up by people. This was, this was a plan that you could only choose to participate in because the plan was bigger than you. May I remind you, church, I believe that God is still up to the same plan in your life today. That you're a part of a story that is much bigger than the story that you think you're a part of. That you play a role in a story his story that's much bigger than you. And it should scare you 
to realize that an all-powerful creator God, the divine director of the heavenlies, who keeps the world's spinning and breath in your lungs, calls you to play a role in this thing, to redeem the world. I think God is still at the exact same thing today because he still takes the fearful and the doubting and the unworthy and the unqualified and the embarrassed and the unexpected and suddenly interrupts and intersects your life with a calling, an invitation to take part in the most outlandish story ever told. A story of a God who so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And and I think that we're called to respond the same way that these shepherds did, by not settling for simply hearing God's word. They ran to see it for themselves. Church, I, we, we say this, this, this a lot. I've heard people say that, that God has no grandchildren, that every single one of us are called to not just go to church or hear the Christmas story and move on and eat our checks mix and, and suck on a candy cane and, and, and think, okay, that was great. We heard the story. Like we are all called to run after, to see it for ourselves. Like God's still calling every single one of us to do the same thing in our lives, to run after him, to see it for yourself. Why don't you stand with me? I want to give you an opportunity um, and just a moment to receive the gift of God today. Maybe, maybe you've heard the gospel. You, you, you've, you've heard the story. You know the story. You know about the little baby in the manger and the, you know, just recounting it. You're like, oh, there's a lot of nostalgia along in there. But, but I want to remind you that, that it's not just a story that one that seems removed from real life. But it's God's invitation to follow him. And whether you were involved in the very first Christmas or you, <laughs> you've been involved in the gospel, as God extends his invitation for you to play a role in his story, that he gifts you, that he frees you, that he redeems your life, and he invites every single one of us to not just hear the story, but to run after, to see it for ourselves. And so maybe you just feel God's invitation to follow him today, but you've been too scared to follow him. That makes sense. Well, like, I just don't know what is gonna, what, what's going to happen. I, what, are, what are people going to think? I'm like, I'm gonna, now I'm going to be a Christian? Or like, what, what does that even mean? What is that going to look like? And, and what about the questions that I have that are still unanswered and I don't know how he's going to do? I don't know what that's going to be. I would just encourage you that everything that's ever worth doing is worth doing scared. That anything great that you've ever been called to in life, you've had to do it scared. It's always taken a risk. Everything great in life involves risk. 
whether you're investing or launching into a new career or going to a school or just living, leaving the house is a risk. Everything in life involves a risk. And so I just believe that God is saying, will you take a risk to follow me? And if you're in that place right now, I just, I don't want you to leave this, this place as we are heading right up into this, this Christmas season. I don't want you to take a, take a risk of, of not just surrendering your will to him and allowing him, just answering that call. And maybe it's simply as what Mary said, may your word be fulfilled in me. So if that's you, just between you and him, just close your eyes. I just want to, I want to, I want to just offer you to, to pray with you today. And, and you're like, well, I, I just don't know. It just seems like it should be more than this. No, actually, many times it's just a willingness to surrender to him. And so maybe you make this prayer your own. Lord Jesus, I've tried to live this life and own it and control it as if it were my own. And I choose this day to surrender my will, my all to you. And I'm scared and I don't know what it's going to look like. But even in this moment, I trust you. And so I give you my life. I pray that you would take it and make it better than I could ever hope or dream. I believe that you sent your one and only son because you so loved that whosoever, and I am the whosoever today, that whosoever should believe on him will not perish but have eternal life. I ask that you would fill me with your spirit and may this day, this day, be a turning point in my life that I will never forget. Take my life, all of it, in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray for those that made that decision right now. God, I remember making that decision the summer before my ninth grade year, and God just changing me from the inside out. Now, Lord, I thank you. I thank you that you continually do the same thing for people that are scared and terrified and doubting and feel unworthy and don't know what it's going to look like and fear the unexpected. Lord, I thank you that you're a good dad. <laughs> and for others of you in here, like you sense that God is like calling you into something. In, in, in retrospect, you can look back on Zechariah and Mary and Joseph and, and the shepherds and you can think, well, it must have been easy for them, right? It must have been easy for them being involved in the very first Christmas. Like that must have, just responding to God's call, that must have been easy for them. It wasn't, it wasn't, they were freaking out just like you and I. Like every person in this story chose to follow God and they did it scared. They did it scared. So I don't know what it is that God's calling you to. I just feel like, I want to just give an opportunity right now. I feel like there's, there's a, an opportunity for healing in here today. And for some of you, it's, it's physical. 
and you've got some physical needs in your, in your life right now, maybe you just got diagnosed with something or you've got something going on in your family that you just need, you'd like to ask for prayer for. But for some of you, I just believe that there's like mental and emotional needs that need to get healed. There's fear. There's fear. And you, you've, been, you've been afraid to allow God into that because your imagination's just running wild with fear. And it's kind of gotten to the place where it's maybe it's come off into anxiety and things like that. I don't know what that is for you. I just, I just feel like that's for somebody in here. I want to just pray, just release over you today. So if you're in that place and you're like, you're like no, that's me. I know that, that, that I am struggling right now. I need, I need prayer right now over this area of my life. I'd, all around this place as we sing, just lift your hand up. Just, just hold it up high. Just between you and the Lord. It's between you and Him. God, I, I need you. I need you into this area of my life that I'm not allowing you in or that I'm scared to, to, to just trust you in, Lord. I, 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 I ask that you would come into that right now. As we sing right now, can, can I just the, keep, keep your hands raised. As you, as those of you guys look around. If you just go to, to a person that has their hand raised and just put your hand right on, right on their shoulder. As we sing in the beginning of this song, I just want you to just take a moment to just pray for them. Pray God into their situation. Pray God into their fear. Pray God into their marriage. Pray God into that, that place of, of, of relational discord. Pray God into the place where they need to forgive. forgive. Pray, pray God into that place where they need physical healing. Just walk around. And if you see somebody with their hand raised, please come out of your seat and just walk right over. Just put, place your hand on their shoulder. And let's just pray God into that place. As you do that, look up. Look around. We got some people right over here. Yep, right back. Thank you, sir. Right back there. All right. Right down here. We've got someone right over here, too. There's a woman right over there. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I just thank you. And as we lift your name up in this place, I pray release in this place. God, that maybe the unnoticed, unmistakable word of God for today is do not be afraid. Why? Because we are. Because we are. And some of us are rightfully so. And so, Lord, I just speak you into their situation. I speak you into their finances. I speak you into their mental health. I speak you into their, their situation. I speak you into their marriage that is almost just hanging on by a thread. I speak you into what the doctors have said. I speak you over that. And may it cause a prayer of faith to rise in this place as we lift you up. Let's worship him with all we have, Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. Let's worship.